Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Corey Emanuel, and you are now listening to Tough Talks. Good evening, Explorers, families, and friends. We are here back again for another Tough Talk Tuesday. We're so grateful that this evening we have Dr. Corey here with us again. And tonight we're going to be discussing politics and activism. We are going to be digging into how to talk to the children that we care for about civic engagement and current events. So I know that this is something that is, you know, always on the tip of our tongues in our in everything that we do. Um, and I, I don't want to delay. Um, Dr. Corey, we'll talk later. I know we'll have lots of questions to dig into, but I'd love for you to go ahead and get started on tonight's Tough Talk Tuesday. Take it away. All right. Well, good evening. Um, good afternoon, everyone. If you're on the West Coast like me, I'm so uh, grateful each month to have this opportunity to come and be with the World Explorers community. Um, and what better topic uh, to, to have for tonight's Tough Talk than that of politics and activism? talking to our kids about current events and civic engagement. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump in. First things first, you know, I, I'm sure folks who are joining us, uh, you might have come from one or more reasons. One of them being, you know, how do adolescents develop political beliefs, right? So we'll talk about that tonight. Um, how to engage your kids on activism, right? How do we start that conversation? And then also one that I think is really important for this conversation is how to foster media literacy skills with your kids. So as we think about politics and political ads and social media, how do we combat against misinformation? So that will be sort of um, our, our three buckets, if you will, that will center tonight's talk, tough talk upon. I always like to start with uh, some of the research um, things that we know about youth and their development of civic and political beliefs. So one of the things we know is that civic identity development is a central task of adolescents, meaning that we have to kind of get rid of this whole notion that because they're kids, there's really no room at the table for them to be able to process and digest and understand the world around them, right? This isn't really an adults only topic. The way you talk about it perhaps is going to vary according to their developmental stage, but civic identity is something that starts very early in our youth. Uh, we also know that white adolescents, so those coming from higher income, from more advantaged neighborhoods, participated in civic life more often than non-white adolescents. Okay, so there is some, some cultural barriers there. Uh, civic engagement is higher when youth work collaboratively with peers and adults on engaging community issues. So it is like we always say, um, up to the village, if you will, to, to really engage our kids. Uh, solidarity with others, identification with the community, um, institutions around us, being respected, uh, being heard by parents and adults is particularly important for youth civic engagement. And then lastly, youth who attend college, so as we think about as we sort of start them in the conversation early, uh, youth who attend college or have plans to participate more civically. So there is a link to education, both in the home and outside of the home, influencing um, kids to continue uh, participating 
civically. Now, one of the things I wanted us to address tonight is what is that process of how do you develop political beliefs, right? Um, so one of the things we've talked about before is how much a role model influence plays a part in our kids' lives, right? And so politics and political beliefs are not removed from that conversation as well. Uh, social learning theory uh, used a lot in psychology uh, talks about that people learn from observing others. Um, and we know that when we think about our kids and we think about our family unit, they're learning from us at a very early, early age. So the same rules apply when we talk about political behavior and the opinions of parents, right? Your voting decisions, having a plan to vote, your kids are seeing that, they're observing that, and they take that on, they develop that same pattern of behavior. Uh, adolescents who discuss politics more with their parents have more similar politics to their parents than those who do not discuss politics. So main takeaway here is that just as we teach our parent, our kids to tie their shoes and ride a bike, uh, we as parents can be agents that inform our children about politics as well. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are some of the current events what are some of the trends we're seeing right now in terms of what are you concerned about? What conversations are coming up between parents and their kids um, as we think about the world around us? One is for sure climate change, okay? Uh, gun violence is another one. Um, we, we know of, of all of the um, horrible attacks we've had in schools over the, the last couple of decades. Uh, truth and reconciliation, a good um, example of this would be uh, reparations, right? Anyone that has uh, sort of had any type of uh, issue as it relates to law enforcement, things like that, youth are becoming more impassioned um, and, and becoming activists around those topics. Inclusion and diversity, that's another big one right now, you know, equal pay, making sure there's representation. And then mental health, um, this is one that probably more and more youth uh, became more concerned over um, during this past year, during the pandemic, as young people and older um, adults were being more impacted by mental health challenges. So these are just some of the uh, big topics right now that your kids might already um, have brought to the table or that you might find yourself engaging them upon because there's so many examples in the world around us to pull from. I thought it would be good to kind of have a few key vocabulary words in our arsenal as we begin having some of these conversations with our kids. So when we think about civic engage engagement, really what we're talking about is working to make a difference in the civic life of one's community. Um, when we talk about youth activism, we're really talking about those activities that our youth choose to participate in with the explicit goal of seeking social change by advocating for issues of relevance and concern. So that list we just talked about a moment ago. And the democracy is another one um, that we shouldn't sort of shy away from at an early age with our kids because we can begin to talk to them about the way our government, government is run. Um, and so when we talk about democracy, we're talking about the fact that each citizen has a say or vote in how the government is run. And this is much different from a monarchy or dictatorship, which is sort of what we often learn about in our history classes.
another example that I wanted to share is uh, Mari Kopany um, out of Flint, Michigan, um, another 13 year old young lady. Uh, she wrote to President Obama when he was in office about the water crisis in Flint. Um, and that prompted him to visit the city, survey the water crisis, and it ultimately led him to approving $100 million in relief for the city of Flint. Again, the heart and actions of young people making a difference. Uh, can't leave our boys out of the conversation as well, who are here, two examples. Uh, one, um, Kaua out of Brazil, an 11-year-old, uh, decided to start planting trees in the Amazon rainforest to help uh, raise environmental awareness. Uh, we have William Winslow out of North Carolina, 14-year-old, who had the idea that one of the ways he could help with childhood hunger was to uh, give kids who were going um, away for spring break uh, backpacks full of food. Uh, to last them during the this uh, spring break. So again, just to give you some ideas of what kids are really out here doing, um, how this is whatever they decide to do is really rooted in real life issues uh, that are happening around us. All right, so now as we sort of move in, we've sort of seen some examples, grounded ourselves in a, in a bigger understanding of what youth might be up to. I thought we would now segue into really talking about a lifestyle. How do we foster a lifestyle of healthy conversations around politics and activism? So as I've always said in every single tough talk we did, there is no such thing as one singular talk, right? We want this to be a, sing a series of talks. In the case of politics and activism, you want to make it relevant, right? We have so many current issues uh, that it's really easy, I think, to just pull from real life examples. The election process is one. It seems like no matter where you live in the world, there's always an election coming up, right? Some, some political ads coming about, um, and you can use those as opportunities to, to have some conversations with your kids. Um, remember that there are multiple effective components to having the parent-adolescent conversation, right? Uh, these things include the extent of communication, right? So frequency, depth of discussions, informational style, uh, we've talked about how, you know, make it as easy as on the ride to school or on the way home from school at breakfast, you know, hanging out at the park on the weekends. Um, the content of the data that is, that, that is discussed, again, making it relevant, something that is developmentally appropriate in terms of the conversation, when and how the communication occurs, right? Not trying to force a conversation, but when it makes sense for where you are and what you're doing or what you might be seeing or what they might be seeing. And then the overall environment where the conversation takes place, you want it to be a place that is going to foster positivity um, around whatever topic you might be discussing. All right, you know, we always get into the do's and don'ts, right? So some of the don'ts when it comes to talking about politics and stuff with your kids and activism, don't dismiss your child's feelings, right? If they have concerns or fears about some particular issue or how it may affect your family, be willing to listen to them. Um, share your own, you know, reckoning with what is happening, um, whether it be something in the news, something you read in a newspaper, normalize talking about your feelings, right? Don't hide how you voted. I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions out there. It's like, 
We don't involve our kids in that conversation. But again, we know that we're establishing good habits, good patterns of behavior when we allow our kids to see how we process our own thoughts and values when it comes to voting. Don't demonize the other side, right? We need to teach kids the fine art of tolerant disagreement, right? You don't have to slander the other person because they don't think or believe like you do, but you do have to stay grounded in your own beliefs and your own values. So just showing them that process. Some of the do's, right? The overall values that drive your political thinking, share that with your kids, right? As early as you want to start talking about that, right? Uh, the questions you ask yourself when forming opinions about issues and can candidates, let them see that process. Who you voted for and why, right? Especially how your vote connects back to your values. I can't emphasize that enough. How you learn more to be better informed. What is your process when you go to research candidates, when you go to research issues, how you decide who you're going to donate to in terms of charities. Let them see that process. All right, now another one of the things I wanted us to talk about tonight was fostering media literacy skills. So becoming more critical thinkers, more critical consumers of news, of the information that we're seeing. Um, so when we're seeing politically charged media, help your kids with these questions, right? Who created this message? You know, they usually have that little sponsorship, uh, you know, announcement that they make who, who might have sponsored that ad. So talk about that. What do they want me to think or do with this ad? You know, and you can talk from your own perspective, what you feel, what you perceive they want you to think or do. Um, how are they trying to persuade you? You know, are they using facts? Are they using fear tactics, stereotypes? What's the imagery of the, the ad or the commercial? Um, and then also, how can I learn more so that I can have a more informed opinion, right? So these are just some of the, the basic things that, um, as you may be watching TV or you're watching TV as a family unit, when you see certain advertisement come, come up, pause, you know, have that moment, ask them what they think, ask them what they're feeling about what they just saw, and then share your own thoughts and feelings. Let's talk more about engaging our kids, right? That was one of the other buckets for tonight. So we already know from an early age, children benefit from giving their time and efforts to others, right? To helping others. So be willing to talk with your child about the importance of charitable work and serving others. Point out that, you know, such work is an important part of living in a civil and democratic society. Is that, that democracy word again. Um, help your child think about age-appropriate things, right, that they can do. So, for example, your young child, they could start now with helping you with recycling, right? That could be their chore, their task, and it's directly connected to a value, right? Uh, as we think about other uh, opportunities, um, if they're saving money, if they have a piggy bank, allowing them to use some of the money in their piggy bank to give to uh, a charitable cause or a charitable um, older kids, some things that they could do is walks for charity, volunteer at animal shelters, or visit residents at a local nursing home, um, like you can see in the picture here. So do what makes sense. Do what uh, they feel naturally inclined to do. Perhaps they're coming to you with some ideas. Be willing to entertain those things, right? 
Um, I wanted to kind of uh, at least tout a couple of reading resources uh, throughout the, the different age uh, ranges uh, that might would uh, focus the conversation on citizenship, right? Which is so part of our role in society. Uh, for ages one to six, there's a really good book called We the Kids. Uh, another one called Coming to America. These uh, have a, a diversity um, and inclusion focus. Uh, for ages six through nine, there's a book called The Children's Book of America. Um, and then for uh, ages nine and up, there's a really good book called Nothing But the Truth, um, as well as the Constitution of the United States. I think there's a lot of conversation, a lot of discourse right now about how the Constitution needs to be rewritten. Um, so I think giving your kids a good foundation of like, well, what does the Constitution even look like? What does it say? Um, would, would be a good idea to start the conversation as well around politics. I've given you a lot to think about, right? I'm sure uh, Keisha has some, some thoughts for us as well. Uh, before I turn it back over to her, I always like to present you with a challenge, something that we're gonna think about um, as we move from this conversation tonight. And so what I want you to think about is like, what real world example from the past year might you pair with one of the do's we talked about to begin a conversation with your child about politics and activism. So think about your own values, questions you ask yourself, how your vote connects back to your own values and what you do to stay better informed. How can you weave that into perhaps this last election, uh, something that's happening in the community around you right now to have a conversation um, with your kids? Right. Thank you so much, Dr. Corey. That was definitely helpful and a huge, huge amount of information to unpack and dig through. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. I, I just want to continue the thought, the last thought that you just had um, in the question that my first question for you. And um, and this is a real question because it'll it'll sound like it like it, it's light, but for real, what if you are a caregiver and you know you are not informed? Like you're there, you're ready to have these conversations with your children, but you realize that maybe you've only gotten your information from unreliable news sources, or you really have never done any research on your own. Um, is it, and like, what if you aren't informed? And as we speak about mindful parenting and really being responsible caregivers for the children in our care, indirectly or directly, is it our responsibility to be able to have mindful conversations? Um, around politics and current events with, with the children in the, under our watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as we, as we think about the patterns of behavior and, and what our kids observe from us, there's the honesty aspect of what you just asked me, right? Just being honest about that. You know what? I actually need to do a little bit more research on that. I, I really don't have an answer for you. You're demonstrating to them don't just, you know, be blowing hot smoke at people, right? You really do need to do your homework before you step into a room or you insert yourself in a conversation. So I think that that is an opportunity. I think we get lost so often and well, if I, if I don't appear as the expert to my child, then I've lost them. No, you're, you're showing them how you're human and that you're not going to always know everything all the time. Um, so there's that aspect. But I do think we, we owe it to ourselves, we owe it to our family unit 
to be more intentional in our words and, and what we say in terms of claims and evidence and just becoming critical thinkers and readers. Um, we have to sort of harness all of these things, honesty, doing the research, being intentional about every conversation that you have. Right, I hear that. I hear that, especially the intentionality of everything and the transparency and the honesty. And, and that leads me to this next question. Um, and, you know, I'm a parent, I have my political beliefs, my children have their own, like, there's definitely things that we agree on, things that we disagree on. And, and I want to know, um, is it okay? Is it okay to pass down our, the first slide you went to talked about how the majority of children receive their political beliefs and they continue them from the parents that are, that, that care for them, for sure. So is it okay to pass down our politics as truth to our children? And, Why? Yeah, right. thank you. <laughs> I think the, the, the thing you just said that we have to be mindful of is it might be your truth, right? It's the truth of your experience and your own values, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your child's truth will align to that, right? Because then we're seeing that a lot more. We see that what was important to us at 19, 20, 21 may not be the case for our kids and how they might be being directly impacted by it. You know, um, I, I think the same goes for our parents and our grandparents. You know, they were fighting for civil rights in a way that's a little bit different from, from how we might be fighting for civil rights today, right? So I think we have to be careful about, uh, I think there was a slide where I talked about the art of, of tolerance of disagreement. This doesn't mean that uh, we're divided as a family because we don't have the same political beliefs, right? We, we need right. to foster this, this a duality of, of this is my truth, this is your truth. They might not align to one another, but we still love each other. We still respect one another. Nobody, you know, called anybody out of their name. You know, you, you really have fostered a, a healthy environment around having different beliefs. For sure. And regarding that healthy environment, can you talk a little bit about um, how to handle disagreements in a healthy way, especially ones that dig into like, you know, if, if someone is, if you know, if one of your children is a teenager and they're saying things like everybody needs to go back to their home country and you're an activist who believes that people deserve a right to refuge or whatever have you, the, you know, the political context of the hour is. Like, how do you handle that in household I conversations? Think, yeah, I think parents, we, we kind of organically do a good job of this, but we have this way of like, we'll be talking to our child about something and we say, well, have you thought about, or have you considered or, you know, I, I, I can see where you think that, or I can see, but let me, let me submit this for your consideration as well, right? Just giving them a little drop of a nugget or gem to maybe do a little bit more work that they didn't, they hadn't done at this particular juncture, right? So again, I think there's this, help, there's this fine line of, let me present what I know in my own work, in my own research, in my own experience. Let me see what it is you have to say okay, I can see there's some things that I know that maybe you're a little off on and that's okay. I'm not going to con condemn you or judge you for that, but I'm just going to prompt you with some things you might want to go back to the table and look at. And they may come back and say, well, mom, I still feel the same way or dad. I, and that's okay. But you've done your due, due diligence as a parent or guardian to lay a good foundation of 
This is how we think critically. This is how we become good researchers and, and do our homework. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that, you know, and we say this calmly, mm-hmm. with, like with supreme mindfulness in this conversation, but in a heated moment, in a heated political moment in a family environment, you know, right. there's boiling, yeah. there's a boiling Absolutely. pot happening. Absolutely. Because and I think that we, I think that we, somebody does have to be the adult in the room and say right. things like, this is okay, guys, let's calm down. This is getting a little bit heated. Let's take a, let's take a step back. Let's take a little breather. Maybe we'll pick this back up tomorrow, but somebody needs to sort of play ref in those situations. I absolutely agree with that. Let's dig into the hyperlocal and the global perspective here. Um, I find as a parent and as an educator that often only national politics gets enough attention that the things that are really impacting our youth and our families really close to home and the things that are outside our borders get little attention. Um, What can we do as parents and caregivers to make sure that the light is shined on things that impact us globally, you know, and locally? What what is it that we need to really be digging into? Yeah, so I think uh, reading material is always great. There's so many great magazines like um, Highlights is a great example. Um, I think Scholastic does a really great job with some of their their, uh, articles and their books. Um, But I think we as parents have to sort of take responsibility for making national topics be a conversation. I don't think we can really expect school to carry the weight of that. Um, And and then we also want to be mindful that they might be being introduced to things uh, through peers. And so things could be skewed a little bit. So I think as parents with us initiating it sometimes or asking, you know, have you heard about or you have any thoughts on this, then you can open up a conversation. But I do think to answer your question, we have to be the ones to shed light on some of those national issues and topics that aren't being, say, covered in our local news. For sure. Yeah. And and also in speaking to like how they're getting the information that's happening, you know, whether it's locally or internationally. Um, let's talk about the TikTok teacher a little bit. Yes. Um, how do yeah, how do we how do we engage with or isolate from things that may not be, you know, news from like reputable sources that our children are get, gaining access to on social media, particularly TikTok, I think is currently trend. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge uh, fan of TikTok because I, I do feel like it can be a powerful agent in terms of education. But we're thinking or looking at some of the media literacy skill building um, uh, earlier. We've got to foster a, okay, this resonates with me. I like that video. And they presented maybe some points that, it, that had me be like, oh, okay, I never thought about that. But then take it a step further and do the research, do the work to be like, I'm going to look that second bullet or that third point that they made in that video. I want to unpack that a little bit more. So just showing them that process of like, okay, yeah, that seems fun and that seems fine or whatever, but you might want to just fact check that, right? We just have to really normalize making fact check a, a big part of our everyday life especially in in this climate of social media and TikToks and things like that. 
Right. That yeah. is true. And then, and then also, I find the extension of that is like, where do we go now to fact check? Exactly. Like, it seems like the fact check answer is, hey, Google. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Google, like I tell people, Google is a great starting point, but mm -hmm. then you want to make sure you're pulling from reputable, credible resources. Right. You know, not just Joe Blow's website, but something that's back. You know, when we think about, um, the, the vaccine, which is a national issue, right? The CDC is considered, you know, the most trusted source in terms of that type of information. So you just want to make sure you're going to trusted resources for fact checking and then check again on top of that, right? Don't That's just stop there. That's right. And I love, you know, what I love about this is that there's no like loophole everything that we come back to in the tough talks is that we have to have consistently engaging parent communication and caregiver communication where we're like really digging into all sides of everything for our children. And that's, Absolutely. you know, you come back to that over and over again. It's so important. Right. And that there's not a one size fits all thing. Like if you do this, then okay, you've, you've done your due diligence. It's like you did A, but I need you to do B, C, and D as well. That's yeah. right. We need the full picture. All the puzzle pieces need to be there, right? As caregivers, we want to protect our children as well. Um, I know that, you know, politics are definitely controversial often. Sometimes they bring up anger in others and they can be polarizing. Um, is it okay, like, to, do, to encourage youth activism, knowing those things? Greta Thunberg, and I was thinking about um, her climate activism and how it created you know, international bullying for her to, to deal with. And she was, you know, definitely mistreated. So how do we encourage and protect our youth when they're engaging in current events and political activism? Sure. So, you know, the first part, I would say absolutely encourage your kids. You know, you're not, you don't want to be forcing them to do something so that, oh, activism is the end thing. And I want you to be a youth. It's not that. It's really you guiding them into activism, um, hopefully by way of them saying, hey, mom, I heard about this. What can we do, right? Hopefully there's some sort of organic um, activism sort of um, coming from conversations that you might be having, things that they're seeing in the news. Uh, but I think we owe it to our kids nowadays to present them with some of the, the realities, right? And I think there is a trend of, when a child has the spotlight on them, other kids get jealous. It's just part of when we, when we think about I am asked, uh, adolescent development um, and the stages of that uh, social hierarchy building is a big piece of that. And within the social hierarchy, you know, some, some people are placed up here or, or perceived to be up here and, and some people are down here. So that, that whole bullying and just being jealous of you getting the shine, if you will, very, even if you weren't doing activism, as we know, having been in school, that's gonna be part of, of growing up, right? But I think yeah. we owe it to them to share the stories like Autumn um, and Greta, to let kids know there are gonna be some kids that just aren't gonna like that you're getting all of this attention. Yes, you're doing something amazing. You're doing something that's changing people's lives. And then you back that with, but you have me in your corner. You know, I want you to always let me know if you feel threatened, if you have any fears, if you're getting inappropriate, you know, messages or emails from anyone, 
let me know so that I, as the adult, can handle that with the appropriate parties or whatever. But it is something that unfortunately I think we're going to continue to see. And, and that won't shift until we have more parents and guardians mm-hmm. being, you know, just infiltrated in their, their kids' communication habits and, and seeing, like, having conversations at the dinner table, right, about, right. you know, that your friend, see where your friend Autumn is doing that really amazing thing with the, the water initiative. What do you think about that? And that will allow you to start to filter, oh, son, like, you feel some kind of way because Autumn's doing the water thing. Is there something that you want to be doing, right? We kind of have to have that level of conversation with our kids to sort of combat against that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, That's important. That's important. And you're talking to like something that I was just thinking about. um, And that is the quiet child. The child who never really says anything about what's happening in the world at all. Um, I find that it can be true for the quiet individuals among us to, to be ignored because there's, they're not making any noise. How can we engage them and, and, you know, and find out what it is that they need help thinking through or verbalizing in regards to you know, the climate that they're living in? Yeah, I think we, we tap into what is it that this child or my child does do or where do we see them sort of flourishing, if you will. So take, for example, the quiet child. Oftentimes, the quiet child is sort of a voracious reader, right? So maybe their thing might be getting books into the hands of kids in underserved areas, right? So you look for the thing that will connect back to where they're already impassioned, Right. So you might not be the talker. You may not ever want to be the kid that wants to take the stage and speak to the audience of a thousand people. But you have there's some areas in which I see your your power. I see your superpower. So how can we harness that and affect it and affect other people with, with that gift? That's what you sure. Yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. Helpful. Yeah. Um, and can we talk about um, age inappropriateness. Um, And speaking to that, you know, there is, there are times when it seems like what's happening in current events and in politics is not age appropriate. Like it it were like some, maybe our leaders are not engaging in age appropriate conversation or the things that are happening may not be something that you feel like is, you know, that your child is at the level to really absorb just yet. How do we gauge that? How do we gauge the conversation and approach it from like our littlest ones, you know, and up? Yeah. Well, I think I think you do have to sort of make it a case by case uh, call. And what I mean by that is some of it's just discernment. Like you just know as a parent, like this topic is of a sexual nature and I just don't want to go there that deep just yet. Okay. Okay. Then with your teenager, you might feel comfortable talking to them about that particular topic. So not everything is probably going to be at the table free for all where we talk about everything. Some Mm -hmm. things may be more of a one-off, but I think you have to use discernment, right? Think about their age. And I think one of the examples I always try to use um, on our tough talks is what's organically coming up? You know, whether it be something that you've you've seen watching TV together, 
uh, a magazine cover in the grocery store as you're checking out? Like what questions are organically coming up for them and what things do you kind of want to see what they're feeling before you even take it into a deep conversation? Just ask them, like, do you have any thoughts about this election? Do you have any thoughts about, you know, the whole mask mandate at school? How do you know? And they will, kids will tell you if you give them a prompt, they're going to have some thought or they won't. And then you'll know. You'll just yeah. Know. yeah. You speak a lot about talking with children versus talking at children. Exactly. And I think that, that is so important and wise because they do. They they are active listeners and observers and they have a lot of thoughts about what's happening in our world as well. Yeah. And sometimes we do have to just pull them out, give them those prompts and engage in that conversation for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and regarding like, and speaking of like these political climates, you spoke of elections and, um, and you know, different mandates, government, government actions, things like mass protests, um, things where like, you know, rallies, people out in the streets. Is it our um, responsibility as caregivers to pre-vet these environments before we include our children? Absolutely. Should we show up, you know, just ready with signs? Like how should we handle those type of, you know, engagements. Yeah, I think you you just said it. I think you do have to um, sort of scout out the situation ahead of time. Um, I think as we saw early pandemic, so many protests were being um, disbanded in very dangerous ways and very scary ways. And I know those aren't situations we want to put our kids in. Uh, but, I, but I also don't discourage introducing kids to peaceful protests. I think there's some right. value to being in solidarity with one another around, um, you know, like-minded causes and issues. Um, at an early age, you know, showing them the process of making a sign, showing them the process of marching together. Um, but again, you just wanna make sure, like you said, you vetted the situation. Um, I think in, at this particular stage, we've gotten into, you know, the, the law enforcement aren't coming in and sort of doing the tear bombs and things like that. Right. But if you see, you know, that's been happening locally in some other protests, you probably need to kind of let it breathe a little bit before you would take your your child into that environment. For sure. And and speaking to that, like when um, when, you know, say your child is introduced to new sources, even if it's you on accident, you know, we've all parents are guilty of having something on and not realizing that there's an extra eye in the room or they've seen it at someone's house or, you know, with a peer, what happens when they're seeing these types of things happen, like the tear gassing, the, the you know, infiltration type, you know, tactics that are just like scary, that appear to be scary. How do you talk them through that type of um, fear or um, discomfort that may come from those types of types of images? Yeah, and I think I think you just said the key word fear. I think it's a good opportunity to talk about how in those situations, oftentimes, not that it makes it right, the law enforcement is afraid. You know, they're trying to keep a, a, a situation or a group contained, and so they're acting out of fear. And so you use that, you explain, that's why we don't go to every protest. Like you talk about the realities of protests can be dangerous. Like, yeah, you're fighting for a worthy cause, but that doesn't mean that sometimes people don't get hurt. Um, so I think you just, you talk about the process of, 
you know, why, why does law enforcement even come out during protests? Well, that's because sometimes things get out of hand. And, you know, you have to really be willing to talk about all of the layers that go into activism, right? That it's not all, you know, uh, sprinkles and ice cream, you know, that th this, is, this is dangerous territory depending on the, the topic or the issue. Yeah, and it is, it can be. And so, I, yeah, that is important for us to be honest with them about the entire scenario that's happening for sure. And, and as we uh, mindfully approach these conversations with our children, I'm going back to it because I know that, you know, the politics can be polarizing for sure. When you, when you as a caregiver know that there is, it's not politics, it's the difference between right and wrong. Like it's a humanitarian crisis. How, how do you mindfully approach a p opposition when, the, when your truth is humanitarian, when right. it feels like the, the opposition is just inhumane? Right. And how do you actually approach that with children? Right. Well, and I think, you know, what you're getting after now is just uh, an ethical, moral code that we have as a family, as, that we have as individuals. And I think fostering that that early, you know, the, at the root of what Autumn is, is doing and the other kids we mentioned too, is being mm -hmm. of service to others. Right. Being of service to others is opening the door for your sister, you know, is, is dad was cutting grass, so you took out the track. Like, we're being of service to one another in this family. By all means, we're going to be of service to people in the community as well. And that looks like clean water. That looks like feeding uh, people that are underserved in our, in our neighborhood. We start to connect the dots. I think that's ultimately what I'm, I'm trying to articulate here is that we start, we start with service to one another, those that we love and care about. And now how do we go beyond that? How do we expand that so that other people can feel and experience that, that service? For sure. And, and then speaking to what you touched on in an early slide as well, which is good guy, bad guy politics, you know, it would be very difficult to argue that someone's politics that were not in service to others and did not have a moral code rooted in love would not create a situation where that is a bad guy. You know, like it's just really difficult to articulate that to children. Um, is, is there um, a level of forgiveness that's included in this conversation that we, that we should discuss with our children, you know, to kind of pull from that? Because like I'm saying, like, and that situation is difficult. It's difficult to say like, they're not bad. They just don't want people to drink clean water. <laughs> like, okay, so where, where do we end with that to, to kind of redeem, redeem them instead of labeling them? Yeah, I think, you know, um, just not, not being stereotypical, um, not uh, lumping people together in, in, in one category because of the sins of their fathers, as they say, like we also have to like make normalize that as well, right? That we right. give people an opportunity to show right. who they are, you know, and then if, if they if they show us that, oh wow, you just don't care about people, then now I know <laughs> and I can right. make my decisions, you know, off of that. But um yeah, I think you just have to you have to be open and willing to letting let your kids go 
down this journey of figuring out some of this stuff for themselves, mm-hmm. but you also be willing to fill in some of the gaps, right? So it's, it's not one person's responsibility, but as we often say on these tough talks, it's the village, right? So everybody that's willing to pour into, you know, you learning more about politics, you figuring out an area of activism that makes sense for you and, and what you're passionate about, um, letting letting your kids go and, um, you know, serve with someone for a day and just test it out. We're not committing to this thing. We're just going to see, you know, and in these situations, people will present themselves like they they will start to reveal, okay, who's here just for, for, for sport, just to say that they were here and who's really invested in making a difference here. They need to start to see those things for themselves. That's right. That is so true. Um, and, they, and kids like, you know, we meet kids from two and up all the time and we do a lot of fundraising initiatives and global outreach programs at Explorers. And I will tell you, the kids under our watch are always ready to help. They're always ready to, to take actions that are rooted in love and concern for their planet and their the people in this planet. And I know that they have that in them. And, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful for conversations like this because we're continuing the work and yeah. digging into the work that's necessary to ensure that they're gonna be raised to be responsible global citizens that care about the people around them. And, and that's beautiful work. Yeah. And I have that's a lot, I actually work. have a lot of hope in, in our kids in terms of being our future leaders. Um, oh, yeah. we're, we're seeing activism in, in, in them in a way that I don't know if we've ever experienced from young people oh, yeah. in history. Yeah. So it's yeah. exciting. It really is. I'm excited too. I'm excited and I'm inspired. I'm so inspired by the love I see. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Dr. Corey, this conversation has been wonderful. Um, I've, I've loved digging into this with you. I look forward to our next um, Tough Talk Tuesday. We know it takes a village. You found one, and we're going to continue to do all that we can to make sure that we're raising a next generation of children that we all can be proud of. My name is Kisha Edwards Gansey. I'm the co founder of World Explorers, and I thank you for this evening. Dr. Corey, until next time. Remember, you are your child's most influential role model. As they seek to form their individual identities, you influence their attitudes, behavior, values, the way they coexist with others, as well as how they choose to love and honor who they uniquely are. Yes, we know, it's quite the tall order. But guess what? You don't have to do it alone. We're all figuring it out, one day at a time, together. Until next time, live, laugh, go explore.